Hi, you guys, and welcome back to the podcast. We are the Carwells. I'm Emily. And I'm Sarah, and we are, as you know, Airbnb interior designers and investors. Is, is this y'all's first time ever being on a podcast? Yeah. And Chelsea's and Jeannie's. Wait, yeah. really? <laughs> oh, are you not forgetting us? We feel so honored. Wow. Well, this is already my favorite podcast yet, so... Uh... Well, for our listeners who are returning to listening to this podcast today, we are doing something wildly different than any other podcast we've listened to or created thus far. Um, this one has absolutely nothing to do about real estate or with real estate or Airbnb. Um, this one's super personal to Emily and I. So um, we've never cried on the internet and wish us luck getting through this one without having a tear or two. Um, but we like keeping it real with y'all, and today you get to meet our big why behind everything that we do, our friends. Um, so we have a girl gang, so I will introduce you to everyone here. Um, and a lot of you have seen over the last few months that our girl gang has just gone through it. So we are going to talk about going through it. Um, with one of our friends that has passed away. We're going to use this as a little therapy session that you guys get to take a peek into. Uh, but also, we've turned this pain into something that we are trying to do something good and productive with it. So we are um, part of an LLS um, fundraiser that we are raising money for what our friend passed from. So um, if you have family, friends, um, significant others who have gone through or currently have cancer, this episode is for you. Um, without further ado, and before we make it all heavy, um, let's keep it lighthearted and I will introduce everyone. So, um, <laughs> welcome, Dale. That, that was supposed to be, that was supposed to be sign language for cheering and then I actually cheered. <laughs> Jazz hands, but voices came out as well. Um, We'll start with Dale. How about that? Uh, Actually, we'll go from oldest to newest. So, those of you who are listening already know Emily and I. If you didn't know, the other day I realized that someone um, who I met in person thought that Emily and I were lesbians, although that is the biggest compliment I think I've ever received (laughs) in my life. We are not real best friends. We're not even sisters. Um, we do get sisters a lot. We do get sisters a lot. We get sisters a lot, a lot. Um, and then there's Dale. So welcome, Dale. Um, Dale is a year younger than Emily and I. And Dale's grandma and my grandma were best friends. We went to the same high school and then briefly lived together throughout college. And now are still BFFs. Um, and then we Some went days. to college. Some days. <laughs> on tuesdays and thursdays and the occasional saturday when ethan sends us our checks yes (laughs) blessed Um, yeah um and then we went to college and i went to art school um so all of you laughing can laugh at all of us going to art school um, but I went to art school and I met two, well, actually three other people that we moved in together. So next on the list is Jeannie. Jeannie, I'm at my freshman year in college. Hi. Hello. <laughs> she did do the silent wave. Doing great, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and one thing that I'll mention about Jeannie is when we were freshmen, Jeannie, we were like in class and we were considering living together. And Jeannie was like, if you can get my rent below $150 a month, I will move in with you. And I feel like saying that now, like now knowing what rent costs and what it costs to live, I'm like, that is such an insane ask. And somehow we made that work. Um, so all of us lived in apartments where I think the entire time, even when you moved in, Chelsea, all of us were paying like, I guess you had a room to yourself. So you're paying like 300 something dollars a month in rent. But all of us paid like 160 something dollars in rent all four years of college. That was beautiful. Wonderful. <laughs> Wish I could go back. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said Jeannie is the Dutch one in the friend group <laughs> um, and then when we were in art college there was one girl that Jeannie and I both didn't like at all <laughs> she dressed too promiscuously and was just uh, saluting around too much and in turn she ended up being the absolute missing piece to our puzzle um, so hi Chelsea welcome <laughs> hey. yeah yeah, that was interesting just because Nicole, I think, always liked me, but you two definitely didn't, and the feeling was mutual. <laughs> also, Sarah, Sarah, how dare you say that somebody dresses promiscuously and is slutting around? Okay, but you didn't see it. You didn't see the dresses. <laughs> I had one dress. This all boils down to one dress I wore that was a little tight and a little short and should I be wearing it to school no but second day of school if you got it what are you gonna do <laughs> look it was just exclusively out of jealousy over here honestly I wish I had the confidence to wear it <laughs> I'm all for it Chelsea I'm on your side oh I would have hated me I would have absolutely hated my guts if I were you too so no <laughs> and we did <laughs> we did well, it all worked out in the end because now we're all best friends and we've traveled the world together. We've done a ton together. Um, and the six of us, inclusive of Nicole, um, just have had the best, best friend groups in the entire world. I know that we've had a lot of people who have been like um, inspired by our friend group and just how we've kind of stuck with each other through thick and thin. Um, so for our listeners, this one's super special. This is, uh, this is our little, our little family that you get to take a peek into. Um, so today really our goal is to talk through what it was like going through, um, cancer with our friend for the last year and a half, um, in hopes that some of you will connect with it and, uh, you know, I guess amplify the voices of those who are going through it and why this is a cause that we were super excited to get behind as a friend group. So um, without further ado, I guess let's get into it. Okay, so if you listen to our podcast, you know that every episode we start with an Airbnb horror story. Um, we were talking about some maybe funny stories of Nicole that we could start this podcast with. And I have one in particular that just like for whatever reason sticks out in my brain every time I think about Nicole. Um, it was on our freshman year spring break. So it was just me, Jeannie, and Nicole. And my dad was on spring break with us. Um, oh, <laughs> that, tells, yeah, that tells you how conservative my parents are. <laughs> Um, so my dad goes on spring break with us and we were in a two bed, two bath condo in Orlando. Um, and if you know anything about Jeannie specifically, she's the night owl of our friend group and will like do anything to keep us all up all night long, if at all possible. 
And so I was sleeping in the room with my dad and Jeannie and Nicole were sleeping in the second bedroom together and we were going to Disney the next day. And so we were all like, okay, let's go to bed a little bit earlier because the night before we had stayed up all night talking. And so I'm asleep and all of a sudden I just hear someone screaming and I'm like, what in the world? So me and my dad wake up, my dad gets out of bed with me, walk over to the girl's room and we hear Nicole screaming from the bathroom. And so I open the bathroom door and Nicole had just got done going to the bathroom and she's standing on top of the toilet with her shorts pulled up, but her underwear are still like pulled down freaking out because there's a cockroach in the bathroom that's like crawling up the wall oh my gosh (laughs) so my dad is like in the bathroom fresh after nicole got done going to the bathroom trying to kill this cockroach in the middle of the night and i just remember that being like one of the most vivid memories of nicole where i'm like how (laughs) how did you end up in that situation oh my gosh fear of bugs and birds what i'm pretty sure we killed it with a shoe i i know if she wouldn't have screamed nobody would have ever known you guys wouldn't have been busted (laughs) i had a plan i was fine so Jeannie, were you still awake and like you guys were just still up yeah yeah they spent the whole night talking it was a breakthrough night for us we we talked about everything it was great it's impossible to get Jeannie to go to sleep. Like, no matter how much you want to go to sleep, she is keeping you up. So, and Nicole's too nice to be like, Jeannie, leave me alone. I'm going to bed. <laughs> I have no regrets, okay? <laughs> yeah, I lived with Jeannie for two years in my room. I didn't sleep at all when she was home because <laughs> we would just talk from our bunks. <laughs> Look, you are one of the best conversationalists in the world, but also girls need sleep. <laughs> That's what mornings are for. <laughs> that's what, uh, what is it, like 8 a.m. until 1 p.m. is for. Yeah, yeah, that's enough. Emily, I think you should still tell the Pajamal story. Okay. <laughs> this is one of my favorite stories to tell people. Um, so when we all lived together, we were, any parents listening to this, turn this off now, we were all underage for most of the time in that first apartment. So instead of going out to party, we would party at our apartment. And so we were partying one night and Sarah was in Italy. So Sarah wasn't there for this, but Sarah had left her fish behind with us and asked us all to feed it however often it needed to be fed. It totally got fed. It absolutely (laughs) got fed for sure. And this fish was named Jamal with a silent F at the beginning. Uh, don't, a- don't ask who named it, but somebody named it. So we got to naming him for Jamal. And so we're all just like partying, listening to music. I don't know how our neighbors didn't hate us because we used to listen to music so loud in our apartment when we would party there. And all of a sudden, Nicole is drinking vodka and she was like oh my gosh Jamal should drink with us like we're leaving him out he's the only one who's not drinking and so she goes and pours like a shot of vodka into this fish tank which wasn't a fish tank it was like a vase that we had because Sarah didn't oh my gosh want to go buy. she didn't want to go buy a fish bowl so we put this fish in a vase and this is animal abuse absolutely so PETA leave us alone but so we and we're all still like we're too drunk to notice so like literally two weeks later the rest of us had like every like 
every time we remembered we were putting fish food into this vase and nobody ever noticed that the fish is just floating in there because he <laughs> got alcohol poisoning and died and sarah comes home from italy and she's like what is that smell and we're like what are you talking about like we clean the apartment it's totally fine and she's like no something smells really bad right next to the door and we look over and it, literally there's like mold on this fish at the top of his tank we were like, oh my gosh, he died because he got alcohol poisoning. But Nicole just wanted him to be involved in the group. So can't blame her for that. Or for Jamal. R.I.P. for Poor Jamal. For Jamal. <laughs> <laughs> and then just and we thought to like change out the water. Just keep keep the vodka in there. Yeah, no, I mean honestly, none of us wanted an animal in the in place and Sarah was like, Justin got me this fish and I was like, damn it, Justin, now there's something alive that we have to pay attention to. Like we don't pay attention to our own lives in this place, let alone right. a fish. So yeah. Oh, so, oh, that poor fish. And that poor fish. But honestly, the fish wasn't meant to be if it couldn't hang in that way. If it couldn't handle a little bit of vodka, it just wasn't meant to be our fish. It's just so bad. I just think about like <laughs> how it would have reacted immediately to this like alcohol coming into its home. <laughs> what, is it, what would it do? He probably had a good time until like, he didn't have a good time. I bet for like the first 20 seconds, he was actually having a good time. He was partying right along with us. Yeah. Or he was just like, I think he would say it's worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Probably that. And then just turn off. But I will say that it was one of her best qualities was how nice she was. And she just wanted to include everybody, including animals. Never wanted and anybody this, to feel like they were left out of the group. I yeah, love that. Unless the turnip queen was born. Oh, yes. The turnip queen. Because <laughs> Flajamal lost his title. Flajamal <laughs> <laughs> couldn't hang. Oh, I think my Nicole, Nicole didn't story. Live at that apartment with us. I love that. Mm-hmm. I think my Nicole story would piggyback that rather well. Um,. The so uh, this is when she was in the hospital or one of her stints when she was at home. I wanted to pull it, make a joke and true Dale fashion. And I was trying to be very creative and really like in depth. I wanted to get her a gift. And I like had this whole storyline like played out and I had gotten her like six random gifts, like so random, everything from sunglasses to uh some like sunscreen to like these sandals to then like these binoculars to literally so random but I had written I'll like typed out this whole story on the like the Amazon lets you send those messages or write a note so with every gift I wrote a note um so that the storyline played out so Nicole I'm like anxious and I didn't sign my name so nobody she didn't know it was for me and so I'm just like anxiously waiting like days weeks and she doesn't say anything she didn't say anything in our group chat and so I'm like crap like I think I said it was delivered like did I write her address down wrong like I did it I know I didn't and so I text her I was like hey how's it going and she's just like so good how are you what's going on blah 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 I'm like oh so good uh and you get any gifts lately and she was like um (laughs) no I didn't am I supposed to be and I was like 
so I did you get like some binoculars and she was like oh my gosh I got like the most random packages and I like don't know what it was for she's like I think one of my nurses sent it to me but like I don't get the I don't get it and I was like so that was me um did you get any like notes with it or any cards and she's like no I was like okay cool (laughs) so you got like these six random gifts And I don't remember what the storyline was because I was drunk on the toilet when I made it. <laughs> and so um, she's like, can you like retell me the story and like send it out to me so I can like understand what you were thinking? I was like, absolutely not. The joke is gone. Send the stuff back to Amazon. Keep the binoculars if you want. Um, but I'm not. I'm over it. <laughs> she's like, thank you so much for thinking of me. <laughs> It's like dang it all the heck. Oh my gosh. Probably like, 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 do I have a stalker? Like what is going on? Hi, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I'm pretty sure like because I had gotten her sunglasses. Because I knew I she was home. That's what and it was like springtime or summertime or something. And like being in the hospital is so boring and like being at home and not being able to do anything is so boring. So I'm pretty sure that I had gotten her binoculars so that she could creep on her neighbors. And then I think I got her sunglasses that were like easily see-throughable so that she could look through her binoculars and then put her glasses on so like people wouldn't know she's looking at them. And then I got her, I think like the cloud slippers, (laughs) like the cloud slides, because like cloud, like, ooh, walking on a cloud, they're not going to know that you're there. Um, And like, I think I got her a t-shirt, something weird and random, but Yeah. It was an epic fail, <laughs> but she loved it. <laughs> so yeah, you got her a starter kit of how to be creepy. <laughs> were, did, were you watching the show or something when you came up with this? No, I literally was drunk on the toilet on Amazon. Like I'm not joking. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So All right. that's I think I got her like a squishmallow or something like that puppy dog squish. I love it. Stuffed animal. I think like, yeah. stuffed animals is like my love love language. Two things. I don't have like a um horror story, but I do have a very funny story of Nicole and Sarah actually. And I'm trying like there's three stories I have in mind, but I'm gonna share this one. <clears throat> but it's when we were in Italy and we were. Um, Nicole and I were roommates in Italy because we were studying abroad. And so every weekend we would go exploring a new city. And luckily we convinced Sarah, who had just been the year before, to come visit us. And she was with her brother. And then we also convinced Jeannie to come visit us with Nate. And they were exploring too. And this one weekend was Sarah's birthday weekend. And so we all decided to go. She wanted to do Sorrento and Positano. So we're all in Sorrento. And we end up on this like cliffside campground to stay and then you have to <laughs> uh, walk into town and so um sorry I'm gonna cough again <coughs> and so um we all are drinking heavily because it's Sarah's 21st birthday mind you and we can all drink in Italy and so we're all drinking completely blackout hammered but I do vividly remember us walking back and it was kind of a hike to walk back 
<laughs> and I actually like found these photos of all of us. Like, do you know how many people we met that day? So like just walking. So many. So, so many. many different groups of people. We had like I, I have to find the I have to go find the photos of all the people that we met. And for whatever reason, it's me and Jeannie and I think Clark or something like yeah, that, whoever we were with at the time, walking like up this fucking mountain to get back to our right um, campsite. It's on the side of the highway. It's uh, it's cliffside. It's literally cliffside. Like if you fall over, you're falling thousands of feet. And <laughs> suddenly, I don't know at what point, but suddenly we just see this little Vespa like going by. <laughs> and Sarah with this guy on it, driving it. And Sarah <laughs> and Nicole are on the back like starfish. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> and this Vespa is a one-person scooter. Oh, <laughs> they have these two girls just like the <laughs> way up. <laughs> I was just, we were so upset because we had to walk the rest of the way. And I have how you met that that this person or how you just jumped on, but I don't remain remember meeting this person. He <laughs> just jumped on and got a ride all the way up. We're like, okay, yeah, bye. See you probably never. <laughs> I can't believe that Nicole did that with me. Like, literally, we were just, like, probably 100 yards behind you guys. And I was like, yeah. we should try hitchhiking on my birthday. And she was like, <laughs> well, it is your birthday. And I, like, just stuck out my thumb. And, like, four seconds later, this one-seater Vespa pulls up. And I'm like, Nicole, get on. And she, like, didn't say anything. She just got on. And I was like, straight. Like, this guy, we didn't speak the same language. I just was like, go straight. <laughs> I'll, I'll I just remember her stuff. legs on the side. It's like, <laughs> I feel like there were so many situations like that. There were oh. so many situations where, like, we would be doing something reckless, and Nicole's like not a naturally reckless person, but she was like, "I'm in it if you guys are in it," and she would just like dive in and do the crazy thing. And I was like, oh. "We're we're gonna get hurt one day because of the rest of us being that so was- reckless." Yeah, that was also simultaneously the day that I had had my passport, ID, all my credit cards, $700 cash, like literally everything stolen. So we were like in Italy. I had absolutely no money, no way to travel back to the States, just like trying to make the best out of my 21st birthday. (laughs) (laughs) You're so right, because that's that's so out of character for her. But like in the moment, if it's something that's going to make you happy, she was such a good friend that way. Like she would just join in whether she felt comfortable or not hold on for dear life mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if i were smart i would have put her between me and the other person but no no you stuck her right on the back <laughs> <laughs> barely hanging on i can't believe she didn't fall off i know <laughs> outrageous well i guess that's a good segue mm-hmm. into kind of the role that nicole played in our friend group um does anyone want to start with what they think the role that she played in our friend group was or I guess your perspective on it um I would say wow gee um I would say Nicole for me in the dynamic in our group was um hype woman feel good woman woman love you woman all of the time like it was whether we were complete 
batty and doing stuff off the wall, if it was emotional, if it was singing and dancing, if it was adventuring, if it was whatever, she was just, let's make people feel like a million bucks and have fun doing it. Um, and no matter, and like always like genuine with her intentions and her feelings and her encouragements, which was so like, you knew what you were going to get when you went to Nicole. And that is to me so special. Like, you know, if you need some feel good love, you could go to her and she would make you feel like there was nobody else there and you were the only one in front of her and the only one doing whatever you're doing. And you were a million bucks. Like that was the best thing. Like, even if you're singing redneck woman sign, sign, sounded like a dying <laughs> walrus, she was back there hyping you up and like fist bumping and like all the things. And it was, you couldn't, you just didn't make you want to stop. Like you just wanted to keep going and play an encore for her because she made you feel like you were awesome. So that was my, my view of how Nicole thought or was, is, yeah was. I will second that exact same thing because- I was with Nicole the day that I made probably one of the worst decisions I've ever made in my entire life. Sarah was there too, but she just wasn't in the tent with me. And um, I made like actually probably one of the like most reckless decisions I've ever made. And the next morning I'm like telling Nicole all about it and we're talking about it. And Nicole was this very sweet, kind, innocent person. And so she instantly could have just been like, Emily, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. I can't believe you would ever do that. And I don't even think I would have blamed her for it because I was judging myself like that at that point in time. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just did that. That was so stupid. Like, I don't know, like a million things could have gone wrong. And she was just like, oh my gosh, get a girl. Like, you're fine. And I was like, no, I'm not, Nicole. But she was like not letting me feel bad about myself even though I just made one of the stupidest decisions that anybody could ever make. She was just like hyping me up. Mm -hmm. And I loved that about her. And I was like, thanks for not making me feel disgusting right now because you absolutely <laughs> we could. We wouldn't blame you if you did. <laughs> was, no, yeah, I wouldn't have blamed her one second. If she... <laughs> oh my God, I think we all tested her patience so much mm -hmm. because <clears throat> I don't know if Nicole would have naturally done some of the things that we like forced her into but I don't think she would have regretted a single moment of any of it whether it aligned with like her or not but she was always willing to just stand behind you with whatever decision you made or make sure that you felt okay afterwards yeah well and I think too like one yeah. interesting and, like, thing supported and loved yeah yeah I think, too, one interesting Sorry. thing about Nicole was that, like, when, like, in our friend group, right, out of the six of us, like, Nicole was one of the more risk-averse ones, right? But in her family, she was the riskiest. And in her high school friend group, she might have even been the riskiest. And, like, people thought that she was, like, crazy for some of the adventures that she would go on with us. And so I just think it's, like, super interesting that, like, in different groups you can play different roles and like she fits so perfectly into ours but she always was like the voice of reason as well she was always the one that was like and eh, maybe we should like take a beat here like maybe this isn't such a good idea and it was like always necessary right she was never like trying to rain on the parade at all she just always was the one that was like two seconds like let's let's take two seconds to reassess this situation and we definitely needed that at that point in our lives <laughs> 
Yeah, I would say even as we got older too, she like became that like she was like when we, when we were planning your guys's bachelorette party she just like took charge and she just wanted to make everything feel the most special possible like her and i were texting all day long to make sure that all the things that we ordered and all the things that we planned were going to make it like the absolute best bachelorette party that anybody could ever have and mm-hmm. i'm like not somebody who like reaches out and like talks to people that i don't know so like chelsea's friends that i didn't know nicole was like don't worry i got it we're going to like get them on board and we're going to get all this information and she just wanted to make it like unforgettable for you guys and i just think that which it, it was. was oh my god it was it <laughs> and was she the just best. did such a good job Zelda! yeah and she just like and then when we got there it wasn't that she was high strung she was like no we're now that we're here it's all planned it's done now let's party and like have a good time oh, and so i just good yeah it was so fun that yeah. was such a fun weekend that was like mm-hmm. when worlds collide for me just because you had never met my friends on my side before but that was so that was so fun and I remember her like she's very scheduled like if she if you and she's this way with work too but if you give her a project she's going to excel like it's going to be perfect it's going to be what you would want oh my gosh it was so great yeah that weekend was the best that weekend was super great i just remember like also because you and i were sharing a bachelorette party and it was pride weekend in chicago it just like elevated everything because you've got these like two girls that are both dressed in white that are both marrying men but it doesn't appear that way and you've got all these other (laughs) girls and they're like celebrating (laughs) them and so we just were like the absolute talk of the town um and i just at least we felt that way (laughs) (laughs) don't care if that's true or not (laughs) (laughs) but I just feel like the night that we all decided to wear wigs like Nicole just like stepped into a whole new version of herself with that wig on like she just went from being like her regular confident self to just like I cannot be touched in this pink wig and I'm just like why did you dye your hair that early (laughs) that was a version of you that the world deserved to see more of (laughs) Oh my gosh, totally agree. She mm-hmm. always said that she regretted not taking more photos in that outfit because we really only had photos in front of the restaurant of all of us. And everyone dressed so fun and it was just like it was it was I'm my honest- one thing I wanted at my bachelorette. I was like, we're wearing wigs and we're dressing ridiculously. And yeah, I, she I'm was surprised super we made confident. it to dinner. I know. Honestly, I'm surprised we even made it to dinner because we got off the boat and we all had to go back and get ready to go to dinner. And like, I'm seasick. Yeah. Chelsea, I think you were seasick. Yeah. We're like almost vomiting yeah. everywhere. We're and like we're sitting like, at dinner, well, we like, I'm not going to puke. I'm not going to puke. I'm not going to puke. <laughs> I, know. I like had to braid my hair to get it up in the wig and I couldn't braid my hair because I was so drunk. And so I'm like <laughs> slapping my wig on. I tie a bandana up. I'm like, this is just it. <laughs> And I'm just surprised that we even made it to dinner. But I'm really glad we did because I look back on the videos of like the drag show and stuff. And it was so fun that night, that whole night, even though it wasn't like everybody's cup of tea. I understand that like drag shows aren't. It was just so fun to be in something so different than what we always did when we were all together. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I have a video of Andrea where. Oh, go ahead. 
Oh, okay. I'll finish mine real fast. But I I just remember, like, it really was kind of everyone's cup of tea, except for my brother's. And then my brother was on the end, <laughs> right? For, like, the drag shows. Like, whoever the person was that was coming out was, like, dancing. It was always on my brother, which made the experience just, like, elevated so high for me. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> it was, like, your brother and Clark, right? They were just <laughs> loving those two boys. <laughs> I have this picture I have this video of Andrea who's kind of on that side too and like one of the ladies walks by and she's just got like the biggest dumper it's just amazing and she's like looking at her and then she looks back at the camera and she's like <laughs> I'll have to send it to you guys but it's just like so innocently like oh so good <laughs> we're having fun <laughs> Oh. oh okay i'm gonna ask Dang. and i also think about i want to add one more because i also think about um sarah your wedding nicole felt like absolute oh. dookie butt she had bronchitis and so like her she flew down with doug and i and so we're flying down and she is a hot mess express but won't say anything and like eating a whole bag of hauls and it's not working and so we like get to the airbnb and she still feels like poop and like the wet like doesn't want to touch alcohol feels terrible like so miserable but she was like showed up she showed up she showed out she was ready to rock um and ready to just love on her people which is something that I feel like she was no matter day time condition whatever she was just ready to love her people unconditionally and like show her support so like I felt like that's one moment that like stands out so much to me where she's like some people would uh completely bail and say sorry and feel like crap and she was like nope I'm gonna grin and bear it and that was so to me that was so beautiful and it wasn't even my wedding (laughs) like thank you for coming (laughs) for her (laughs) Uh, well yeah and now looking back like it wasn't bronchitis right it was cancer like they that it's wild to think that like we didn't realize that that's what it was until literally two years later but yeah that was the absolute start of this Mm -hmm. entire thing which is like you know wild to think about she's like you know suffering from cancer for the first time ever really having symptoms of having cancer for the first time ever and it's just like absolutely hell-bent on being part of my wedding (laughs) Well, it, like, even, like, years later, obviously, our girls' trip that June, right before she, like, got diagnosed, we hiked for, like, four hours as a group. And we, like, did we did so much walking around Seattle that entire weekend. And so I remember when, because I was in Thailand when um, I found out about her diagnosis and, like, all the stuff that happened when they went in to take the biopsy and all that. And I remember being like, what? Like, there's no way that that's what it is because we just were hiking and we all were just together and she seemed like totally fine. And so it was so shocking to me that that ended up being her diagnosis just because we were all so active and it didn't seem like anything was bothering her at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I definitely remember that really segues into the next question of in receiving the news that she had cancer, what were your initial thoughts and emotions? And I just remember like, getting back from that road trip because there was about a month between that girl's trip and then the rest of my road trip back across Michigan. And then once we got into Michigan, like that summer, Nicole, the month and a half that we were still here, we just spent a hundred percent of the time with Nicole. Like she was always around and every single time she'd come around, um, specifically at my parents' house, my mom just kept saying, my mom was like, something's wrong. 
Like, something's wrong with Nicole. Like, she shouldn't be breathing that heavy. Like, it shouldn't be... Like, she just... My mom knew. And my mom kept, like, putting it in my ear. And I'm just like, no, no, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's, like, the dust from working on her house. Or, like, you know, you just, like, never anticipate that news at our age. And so I remember getting that news. And I remember being in Grand Haven specifically. I had, like, just gotten a Pronto Pup. <laughs> like, sitting on the side of the hill in Grand Haven with a Pronto Pup in hand. And I remember receiving that text message. And I remember just, like, handing my Pronto Pup to Ethan and just, like, immediately breaking down. And being like, how? Like, how is that? One, how did they miss it two years ago when they thought it was bronchitis and it wasn't? And, and how is it so big and like how is how is it the sweetest person in our friend group that seems so pure like all I just remember it being like super surreal and feeling like 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 why out of all the people why for sure yeah, I agree I, I was touring an apartment when I got it and I was like I I literally went into the bathroom of the apartment that I was touring and I was like there's no way like that's not a thing that's happening right now and Tyler was like talking to the guy and he looks at me and they, they were giving us the keys because we were touring it, like doing our like walkthrough tour at the beginning. And he gave, they gave him the keys and he closed the door and I just lost it. And he was like, what's going on? And I was like, I couldn't even tell him. And then I remember being mad. Like I was sad at first when I got it. But then I remember a lot of like for the past year and a half being mad that it was like happening to her, that something hadn't happened sooner and the the thing is that's crazy to me is I was so angry and she was like every time I would talk to her she was like so happy and I remember that being like a thing that stood out to me is I was like I'm so pissed off right now and so angry at the world that this is a thing that's happening to you and you are handling it in such a positive way and I thought that that was just an it like spoke so much to who she is as a person and her relationship with God at that time that she was so positive during it and I'm just like so angry at the world during it yeah I would be angry as well yeah yeah, no I think also for like our the people who are listening to this there was a huge portion of religion that happened in the midst of this so like Jeannie and I both grew up super religious and in super conservative homes and Nicole did not And so Nicole was going through this, like, very, like, religious experience prior to getting diagnosed with cancer and realizing that, like, she, you know, felt really strongly about her relationship with God. And so to be tested immediately in this, like, real and raw way right after being introduced to God and religion and then to watch her just, like, plow through that entire experience like so calmly so collected so like ready to fight that battle I was just like I do not know how you are like handling this the way that you are you know and it's like even when we talk to Jordan who for our listeners that's another friend of ours who currently has lymphoma for the second time she's like look everyone tells me that I'm like strong and that's not how I feel at all because I don't have a choice to like go through this right like strength is not the right word because strength would like suggest that I have an option to not be strong but I just feel like like I don't even know how to describe it another way you know it's like how do you like describe someone who's like going through the absolute pits like worst possible case scenario and still the entire time is like mostly concerned about her family mostly concerned about her friends mostly concerned about her relationship with God like not at all concerned about like what's actually happening 
inside of her body. And I'm just, like, watching this unfold, being like, I don't understand. Like, this is, like, above human. Like, this is not human-esque of you to react the way that you're reacting. Mm -hmm. So true. I just feel like that was when, I remember when I was, um, we got the text. I was in the gym, and I'm running a camp of, like, hundreds of little kids and so I have to like keep my crap together and Loki have an eye on my phone other eye on all of these kids running around trying to run this massive program and I just remember because I was like my second camp of the day and I was like halfway through and I had to finish that camp have a 30 minute break and then do a two an hour camp after that and then I was allowed to like feel emotion because <laughs> I didn't feel like I could show emotion and like trying just to suppress literally everything because not only like was Nicole's information there but I also was like so triggering because of my mom and I literally remember finishing power walking like my heart my life depended on it over to my boss's office and my one co-worker opened the door for me and was like congratulations Dale you finished another week of camps and like held the door open for me and everything like went for a high five and I just like started sobbing and I'm like I can't talk right now and I like fly into my boss's office like slam the door and just like drop to my knees and my boss was like um did a parent like did a parent like confront you or something what's going on and I was like no like this is happening and Nicole is this and my mom is this and life is just crazy and I don't know how to process this and like I was like and I've been suppressing my feelings and all of that and she was just like well you can cry it out I have chocolate in the cupboard and we're just going to talk it through and I'm like this is not talking through this is not time to talk through stuff this is time just to be a hot mess express and then buck up and figure out what we're going to do and yeah that was for those listening, I lost my mom in 2020 to a stage four liver cancer, and she was given like the three months to live diagnosis, and then like li- died like a month into it, um, and lived at stayed at home the whole entire time, and my family and I took care of her, and so like that was all like so triggering, knowing like what my sister and I, and my dad went through, to think about Ken and Sue and Jake having to go through that and do that because. It is not easy. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not fun. It is not beautiful. It is like gory and gross and sad and devastating. And I just would never wish that upon my worst enemy. So like being such an empath, I could like put myself in their shoes and just not want that for anyone. Um, So uh, that was just something that I was so felt bad for them, felt bad for her, felt bad for like, how dare I have a pity party for myself that I have to go through not one, but two people near and dear to my heart. Like, how dare you God. But then at the same time, I'm like, thank you for blessing us with these people. Like, it's just such a mind shift, I guess, like having to go through crap, like cancer sucks. So it's just embracing it and then just flipping that mindset to being like okay they're gonna be taking away from us so soon but like at the same time we were blessed with 29 54 years like however many years we got to be with them so I guess that's been my like biggest takeaway is the mind shift like just trying to twist it so that you trick yourself into thinking that like 
life goes on. Like we're still here. We have to live. We have to figure out why, even though we're not going to figure out the why we just have to make the best of it. So yeah, that is mine. And under my laptop is my tissue box. (laughs) So here we go. Well, yeah, I think that there's a whole portion of this that, you know, there is the person that is suffering from the disease itself, but it's like how it pours into everyone who is immediately surrounded by the disease that's like big and scary. And it like, I think it, you saw that with your mom and you saw that with Nicole that like, although they're experiencing this thing that they themselves are going through, they also have to deal with like the anxiety of like how it impacts everyone that they love around them after they leave. And like, I almost feel like that anxiety for the person that's like going through cancer would almost be more overwhelming than the sickness itself. You know, it's like, I can't even like fathom like Mm -hmm. the responsibility like that we feel to like be a great friend to Nicole but the responsibility that your mom would feel to like care for her husband and her children or like how we feel about our husbands or like trying to think about that void being there and you being like responsible for that void right and there's like literally nothing you can do about it but you're like leaving all these missing pieces behind it's like just it just affects so much beyond just the person that is sick for sure. And like, I also just think about too, like, as selfish, selfish as it is, is like, I, to an extent, like, get kind of where, get their shoes, like I get Nicole's shoes ish, I get Jordan's shoes ish, like definitely not cancer world, but like heart world, like I get what it feels like to be like, I want to be the person that's going through the ish. I don't want to be the person watching the ish, like watching it is so hard because you have no control. You have no say, you have no nothing. But like, if you're walking that life, like you're in it, you're the one going through it. Like you can be like, Nope, I got this. Like I can do this. I shouldn't be the burden on you. And like, I would never want to see, like, I didn't want to see Nicole go through it. I would never want to see one of you guys go through it. I would rather have like myself go through it so that I can handle it and do it and not have to watch my people like I feel like that's the hardest part yeah Yeah, I was gonna say the first time that it came back that she got re-diagnosed I was I had plans to go out with my brother and sister in Grand Rapids and we went to what used to be Tavern on the Square but it's called something else now I I don't know what it is now but um Mm -hmm. I remember I didn't want to go out anymore like I was just not in the mood to go out and I was like I'm feeling this like really big sense of guilt for continuing to live my life knowing that Nicole had gotten re-diagnosed and I was like I feel guilty for it but then I'm like I don't deserve to feel guilty because she's the one going through it it's like a weird like emotional thing to go through and then I was standing in tavern on the square looking around remembering all the times that we had all gone there together and I start crying in the middle of a bar at night and Taylor my sister looks at me and she's like are you okay and I was like no I don't want to be here right now like I don't I feel horribly guilty for just living my life knowing that a friend of mine who is the actual last person on the face of the planet that deserves to go through this is going through this horrible thing and then I would like talk to Nicole and she would be like what's going on in your life I want to hear like what are you doing and she was so excited to know that we were living our lives even though that she was going through this thing but it was like this horribly right. guilty feeling knowing that I'm at a bar that we used to go to and I'm drinking, which it sounds like the stupidest thing to be doing when your friend is 
going through cancer and has been re-diagnosed. It feels so dumb to be partying when that happens, right? Like, I don't know. It just made me feel mm-hmm. extremely guilty doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. She, so, it's so hard, and I think it was hard for all of us. Um, how do I say... <laughs> Like, touching on what you were saying, Sarah, everyone is here to support Nicole. And she had a flood of communication through the people that she's crossed paths with in her life. And that she, obviously, Nicole always had, like, those connections, right? She would meet somebody, anyone, and then they would be Facebook friends or they would keep up with each other along the, through their life where she would you know, notoriously say happy birthday to every single person she's ever met in her entire life on their Facebook. But all of those people were flooding in like, you know, love you, you're so strong, you're so great, um, you're so positive. And, and Nicole was, like truly she was, but there was also this side of her that I think only a couple of us got to see where, I mean, I remember Jeannie, Jeannie and I, facetiming her and her being like you know i'm strong and i'm unafraid of what it's like to walk through the gates of heaven but she's like i've had to look death in the face and realize what that means for me and for you and ugh. i think ultimately she wanted to you're good have more time But I will always say, out of all of us, she was probably the most prepared to do something like this. She, like, always said before she was diagnosed that she asked God to lay her down completely, to surrender to him and to understand what it's like to accept, like, his love. And I'm not very religious, so I don't know all of the terms, but... um, It was so strategic in her life where she were was at a place where she could accept that. <laughs> Whether we yeah. could or not, like she did really well. Mm. And she did get to like show that true, genuine feeling towards like with us when we had those conversations with her, but you know, people don't not everyone got to see that. And although, like, Dale, it's so hard to watch that, it's still, like, so nice to be the person that Mm -hmm. you get to be so close through that whole process. And you get to say at the end of the day that, like, I was there for you for all of it. Yeah, for sure. And, like, at the same time, like, I feel like in those moments, like, it's so beautiful and, like, so rewarding. But then it's one of those things where, it's so hard to forget this like everybody told me when my mom passed away that you'll you'll forget all the hard stuff the bad stuff you'll just remember the beautiful stuff and whoever said that is a crock of crap because like those things still like stick with you (laughs) like whoever said that but like yes you get to see the beauty and like the peace that's in all of that but like you get to like go through the trenches with them and be that hand be that like radiant light for them and like 
that I would I would never wish it upon my worst enemy. But at the same time, like that is something few and far in between get to experience. And that I in itself helps me have like a different perspective on life and helps my like my faith feel more steadfast and firm. Um, just to know that like there's a higher power in my eyes, in my heart, that there's a higher power and there's a reason for everything. Yeah. Well, and I'll say too, I mean, one, it's like, you know, we watched Nicole go through this entire religious experience. She just, I mean, even prior to being religious, like Nicole had a way of always being most passionate about the things that actually mattered, right? Like she was always most passionate about her friends and her family and vacations and like all the in-between moments, which I always struggle with right like I'm such a workaholic (laughs) that I always get distracted with things that don't matter nearly as much as the things that like you know she really prioritized Um, but I totally agree that like people told me that with my grandma too right that like oh my grandma passed away from leukemia as well and they were like you know you'll always remember the good memories or like you know try and hang on to the good memories not the bad memories but I think that the bad memories are almost more like core memories and I think that they're more valuable memories like they have more impact like I do not think that I've ever witnessed with my own two eyes anything more powerful than watching her parents say goodbye to her on Christmas day oh my gosh hey oh that was never again (laughs) please never again lord (laughs) horrible it you know it's coming all day long you know it's coming like like we knew it was coming a few days before it was coming right like it you just there's that energy right of like death is around the corner and you just like I just didn't anticipate having to watch parents and her brother specifically like yeah horrible for sure. But like at the, it is. But like at the same time, like I know you felt like you knew Sarah like a few days before. I honestly her whole entire journey, I there was no narrative that I made up in my head that resulted in the way it resulted. Like none of the narratives that I made, like none of them. It was always okay, it's going to be a fairy tale ending. And it's going to be, she's going to find her prince. She's going to have her babies. I don't know if they're fur babies. I don't know if they're human babies. I don't know if they're from her. They're from somebody else. I don't know what they're going to be. But, like, it was always a fairy tale ending. And so, like, even up until, like, that day, like, I kid you not, I still, like, when Ken called me, I thought he was going to say, like, I just had a gut feeling that he was going to be like, okay, like, she's up and perky or she like squeezed her hand and said I love you or like she did something and like positive and then it's like nope gather the troops come now like there was no narrative and that ended that way but like when you said like what what better fairy tale for Nicole than Christmas day going to be with her king and lord Jesus like that is the best fairy tale out of all of the fairy tales that I could have created for Nicole. Like, I don't want that right now, but that's not my fairy tale. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. I just I felt like the second time she got diagnosed with cancer, I was in Mexico and I just remember mourning her death that day. And I remember like she was still alive, right? Like she was still alive and now we know she would like get go into remission and then get diagnosed for a third time. But I remember doing the exact same thing with my grandma when she got diagnosed with leukemia and they said it was terminal. I remember mourning my grandma's death then and like not later after she had passed. And same thing with mm-hmm. Nicole, like that second time she got diagnosed and she was texting all of us girls in the group chat and she just was like saying I love you and saying things that were like very goodbye-esque. I just was like, uh, she's mentally mm-hmm. ready to go. Whether she's not dying today or not dying from this cancer or she like will heal, like mentally I could tell at that point she was ready to go. And for me it was like, that's when I started spiraling. Like, that's when I, like, I spent the whole day in bed. I didn't get out of bed at all that day. I just cried and cried and cried because I was just mad. Like, how dare? Um, but, yeah, that week of, <laughs> that week of that she passed, I texted Emily and I was like, hmm. it's going to happen on Christmas. I just had this morbid feeling. <laughs> and it did. <laughs> yeah. And I think I we swore I was going to tell you. Her dad was so good at updating everyone on what was going on. Like, I think everyone kind oh of got goodness. the sense of... Because I, I talked to her mom later on, and and she described, like, Nicole had some sort of um, infection that they could not find the source of. Like, they could not figure out what it was. And so, basically, they just, like, threw the kitchen sink at her to figure out what would kill it off and whatever but um nothing was working and then they couldn't find the source of it so ultimately that's like what happened but I think we could all tell just based on Mr. Greenman's posts of what was going on that she was declining rapidly like quicker than typical and I will never forget calling him and talking to him and him being like I don't think we have another 24 hours with Nicole and mm. oh you know what Jeannie I'll never forget oh my god <laughs> I'll never forget like her when we were at the hospital with her and we had that conversation with her doctor what's that the doctor called yeah and the doctor called and the doctor was really point blank and you can probably describe this story better than I can but very point blank to say like hey these are this is your plan we have a plan a b and c and ultimately if we can't make plan c work we're kind of out of options and it, nicole was always led to believe like they're so we're so young so there's just so many options for us here but um and she just did that like thing that like nod that she always did you know yeah exactly smiling and nodding and it was you could see on her face it really just 
settling with her and her soul that like whatever is meant to be will be and then there was another doctor that came in and she goes oh i don't know if you heard but you know the cancer is back and these are my options and the woman looked at her and she goes nicole we i myself am not promised tomorrow no one in this room is promised tomorrow and i just remember it being so profound because of course like she's scared we're all scared but it was so comforting for someone to be like this is the pits (laughs) but this is life for everyone and you don't have to feel alone in that at all because it's so true I think that brought her a little bit of comfort that day. <laughs> and I thank God for that. Yeah. I remember the week of Sarah had texted me, obviously, like she said, she texted and like, I've been keeping up to date with all of Ken's posts and stuff like that. And throughout the past year and a half, I would just text Nicole randomly. And sometimes I would get a response and sometimes I wouldn't. And a lot of the times when she responded, she'd be like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so tired and my phone is just blowing up. And I was like, I never want you to feel like you have to respond to me. I'm just, I want you to feel my love to you. I don't need you to say anything back. This is just for you. But even though Sarah texted me that week and said that, I was like, no, this is not like in my head. I'm not even like thinking that that's reality. So they had said that she was sleeping and that she, that they, she was in like a coma or sleeping or I don't know exactly the terms that Ken used, but I texted her anyways. I was like, she's going to wake up in a few days and she's going to be able to read my text and she's going to know that I love her anyways. And then, um, sorry. And then, and then obviously Christmas Eve, we kind of heard that things weren't going well. And so I just spent Christmas Eve laying on the couch with Tyler, just watching movies. And then obviously Christmas day, we found out and I got to be on FaceTime, which I just hated not being able to be there. But this like big storm came in and Tyler was like, do you want to get in the car and go right now? Like drive through this snowstorm and be there. And I was like, first of all, like we're not going to make it there in time anyways. Second of all, we shouldn't put our lives at risk in this massive snowstorm. Like it wasn't just like a normal one. It was bad. And especially of where we are. And so I just got to be on FaceTime. And then after we finally got off the call and everybody left, Tyler was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to watch Tangled. <laughs> and he he was like, are you sure you could do that? And I was like, that's going to be the movie that I want to watch all the time now. And he was like, are you sure you can put yourself through that? And I was like, it's not about putting myself through it it's that I'm always gonna remember her and if that's the thing that I have to watch to like always remember her then I'm going to and so we watched Tangled and it's just like I've I've watched that movie probably like four times since Christmas Day just because it like it feels so like on par with who she is and just like this innocent sweet person who like wanted to go and do this sweet thing and so I just like watch that movie all the time now I started Gilmore Girls over again that day. <laughs> Something about those shows, like those wholesome, every girl loves them shows. 
just it's like she's right there like texting me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she was a Logan fan, so like whatever. So she had a little bit of bad judgment? Terrible. <laughs> no, I swear I can feel her, like, hugging me when I watch it. Like, did that, like, squeeze that she did when she would hug you. Like, I feel it when I'm watching that movie. And so I just, like, want to watch it all the time. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Oh. Thing. I made it 47 <laughs> minutes. 47 minutes and I just started crying. I think I made it 11 minutes well, so. Good <laughs> oh, we knew this was going to happen for, like, obviously oh. for, this is just like, it feels like just us talking, but there is going to be people that listen to this. This is extremely fresh for all of us and it's always going to hit us in a way when we talk about it but it just is really fresh and doing this fundraiser we decided to do it when it was fresh like I think that it was like intentional to do it so quickly because a lot of people are like how are you guys doing this and like talking about it so often and we like I I said I made a video and I I don't know if I put this part in there but I was like Nicole's gonna live on forever in our lives like she's always gonna be a part of our story and we're always gonna talk about her but we this fundraiser is so that she lives on forever in everybody's lives like that everybody gets to hear her story and that her story changes somebody else's life too because she her story changed our lives immensely yeah yeah, and it's it's one of those things too Absolutely. that it's like, you know, the things that we're experiencing, like there are millions and millions of people who are experiencing the same thing every day, all the time, right? And like we're when we meet other people and when we like introduce ourselves, we always introduce ourselves with like our name and our career and all this stuff and like especially us who are like really present online, right? You're seeing all these like successes and you're seeing all these wins and like it feels like you like know what's going on in other people's lives. Right. And, and it can feel super lonely when you, you know, aren't exposed to this side of things. But I think that it's like on the other side, like nobody knows that all of this is like happening in other people's lives. Right. And this like impacts everything. Like as all of us have gone through this, it impacts every facet of our lives. Right. It impacts us emotionally. It impacts us mentally. Like, all of this is just super, super heavy. And like, when you look at Nicole's family, like her brother, like when I'm looking at my immediate family, I mean, it's extremely difficult to lose a friend, but I look at my brother or like all of us have siblings. Right. And the idea of like losing a sibling, losing a child, like just, there are so many people that are going through having a family member like ripped out of their like core circle in this like really awful, ugly, like morbid way. And it's not something that's talked about a ton, right? It's like something that everybody is going through in one way, shape or form, but nobody like talks about it. And so I feel like our friend group in particular, just because we've been surrounded by cancer specifically for these last couple of years, it's like forced all of us to like have a big reality check. Like I know for me, I'm just like, looking at the way that Nicole handled that entire experience, looking at how absolutely certain she was in a higher power and that God was taking care of her and like 
you know, I've felt religious in several different forms, but always have experienced like the negative side of religion, right? Along with the positive side. And Nicole, there was no negative side. It was just like, you know, this is all for a greater good. This is all for a greater purpose. And I feel like for all of us outside of experiencing that disease, it's like, makes you have the opposite reaction, right? You're like, how dare or like, why? And I feel like everybody kind of feels that from an outside looking in. Um, and I don't want people to feel that way. Like I would love, you know, Nicole's story to be one of those. It's like, people look at it and they're like, if she can look death in the eyes and still feel at peace about it, still feel ready to go, still feel so sure that, you know, whoever is the higher power in this world is like definitely looking out for her, definitely like making sure that her story is exactly the way that it's supposed to be. I'm like, why, like, why am I so scared? You know, like, why am I, why is it so easy for me to get caught up in everything else besides that? So I don't know. I just like when we had this idea of a fundraiser one, I think it's an amazing thing to like try and like amplify the voice of people who are going through these super hard times Um, but two, it's just like a good reminder for everyone who's not going through these hard times to be like, look, like when Nicole first got cancer, I remember one sentence that I said to her that she was like, I don't know why that made me feel better. It was, you got diagnosed with cancer first, but you're not the last, right? Like out of all of us, like all of us, the chances of all of us getting cancer are so high. So although it's like super fresh and super sore, It's like all of us are going to face some sort of version of that in our lives. And like, I do not feel prepared at all for it. Right. But I want that support around me to like feel the way that Nicole did. So I don't know. I just hope this podcast like makes other people realize that they're not alone in what they're going through. That like, if you have pain from cancer, like there are a gazillion other people that feel that pain as well. Um, I don't know. I just... It's just the pits. It's just the pits and people don't talk about it. Yeah. So uh, I'll pop this last one to Dale and we can kind of wrap up because I know we've all been crying on here now and I hate crying on camera. Um, Dale, do you want to talk about LLS and the fundraiser and like what we're trying to accomplish with telling Nicole's story and working with LLS? For sure. So those that don't know what LLS stand for, it's, I don't think we've said it this whole time. I'll put but, it in the um... title. I'll put it in the title. Okay. <laughs> it is the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Um, and so it's a 10-week fundraiser. So think of it like a fundraising sprint. It started the end of February, February 23, and goes to Mar- May four. Um, The title of the fundraiser is Visionaries of the Year. So what it is, is there's in West Michigan, there's 12 teams that are competing. um, And those 12 teams are ran by what they call a candidate. um, And that candidate forms the teams. And so what we're doing is unlike any of the other teams. So uh, we are... Nicole essentially is our like candidate and uh, but since they need to have somebody earthbound to be able to be the candidate I am filling in to for in her place and we're doing everything that we everything we do the fundraisers the funds whatever 
we do is in Nicole's honor. So we're making a point to every single publishing that's out, every single radio talk, every single um, news broadcast, article, whatever. Like everything is in Nicole's honor to just keep making her story be heard. Um, so come on May 4, there's going to be a fun event, like a fun celebration, and we'll be able to find out who, which team is the team that raised the most funds. So on that time, that on that day, we'll figure out who the visionary of the year is. Um, so when we win, it'll be visionaries of the year in Nicole's honor. So our team will be able to go up and accept that um title so it'll be super awesome but our my main goal at least I think I can speak for a good chunk of us is that if we hit different benchmarks so if we hit uh the middle of where our somewhat of the middle of our fundraising goal we get to have a study or program or portfolio whatever you want to deem it um as in Nicole's honor we get to name that so I think that is just one of the most beautiful things in the driving force, at least for me, to be able to say, hey, I know a girl that uh, just her name was on the study that cured cancer. Like, I think that would be so stinking awesome. Um, so that's one of my driving forces. And I just, yeah. And the best part, the thing that why I wanted to do to just continue this fundraiser and bring it to you guys was to be, they use 79, I believe it's 79 of all the funds that are raised, 78, 79, don't quote me. I know it's high seventies, um, is all high 70% of all the funds that are raised go back into the mission. So it's not like we're paying some, rich Joe Schblow's paycheck and Porsche were fighting for this cause and trying to raise funds to be able to make this a cancer-free world, which to me is something that's so beautiful and so powerful and a driving force for me. Um, So yeah, that's kind of what the fundraiser is in a brief synopsis, even though it wasn't really brief. I talked (laughs) really run on sentence. (laughs) Same. And my nasally Midwestern voice. Perfect. Did Um, I tell you guys about the plant sale that I'm doing? Have I talked about this yet? No. I think we talked about it in the meeting. You mentioned it. Okay, I mentioned it. Um, I just want to plug for... I don't think anybody in Washington is really going to listen to this, but if you are, um, we're having a plant sale that a gal that I work with, um, she's done it in the past for a little girl who had passed away who was at the school that she worked at. And so she hasn't done it in a couple of years because this was many years ago, but she's reintroducing it for Nicole. And her and I met uh, last week and we picked out all the plants that we're going to be selling. And it's like a pre-order system with like a three-day pickup um, at a location. And there's one plant and I don't have my list with me, but it's like a coleum or like a holy something it's not a flowering plant it's like this leafy pink and green and purple thing but it's really cute and i was like anything with coley or nicole is on the list so that's I'm kind of also fitting. We're still working on the details it's kind of also fitting because those are her two favorite colors green and pink yeah so that's kind of cute 
<laughs> yeah, so that will be happening. Um, we're working on the details, but the pre-order will be ending in like April-ish, and then pickup will be like around Mother's Day. But the pre-order will already be in place um, before our event, May fourth. Anyway. Nice. So yeah, if anybody's in the Seattle Tacoma area that listens to the podcast. Mm-hmm. That will be perfect. And I know we've talked a lot about Nicole's story on here and like our personal experiences with her, but Jeannie actually wrote a letter for our group that I have posted on my social media, but I will put it in the bio below so that you guys can read a little more in depth about Nicole's story. Um, They're much better writer than speaker. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, I, I won't speak for everybody else, but I would we would read it. But I said this before, I can't get through it without um, losing it. And I already did that today. So I'm not going to do that again and read you guys the letter. But it's, it's fantastic. Jeannie's a great writer. So you guys should check that out in the bio below this video or in the podcast link. Yeah. And I think one thing we should plug here as well is... Um, if you are a business owner as well um, and you donate, I think, over $2,500 to the LLS um, fundraiser, you get representation throughout this fundraiser. So you can add your logo on a few things. You will show up at this big gala yeah. um, that they're hosting on May 4th. We will all be in attendance. And I think you also get an invite to attend as well. Am I correct at 2500 yeah yeah so there's multiple i have my laptop pulled up here um there's so many different sponsorship opportunities which is i think is so stinking cool so it's probably a cleavage shot (laughs) you know mom boobs um (laughs) excuse me (laughs) um yeah so uh Okay, my computer's not working. Okay, but um, yeah, there's everything from $500 all the way up to like $50,000, whatever floats your boat. So the smaller amounts, the 5000 the 500 500 750 1, um, that amount you can get thrown into your logo and a blurb about you in the program write out in the digital program so you get some marketing that way but then there's the heroes table which is for um you can come $2,500 I believe you get a table and you get a yeah you get a table and you get marketing and then the 5,000 you get like if you donate 5,000 you get a table for six and you get marketing and you get shout outs on multiple different platforms and then the perks just go up and up and up for each thing a increment that's Beautiful. donated. So any real estate investors specifically who are listening to this and need tax write-offs for donations we would love to be that for you. <laughs> so yes. please donate your pennies. We know that you all Amen are trying to, to avoid giving your money to Uncle Sam and you'd rather give it to us anyway. Um, so although we're not investing this in a property, we would love to invest it in something that is way more important than another property in your portfolio. So um, if you're interested in doing that and you want a nice little tax write-off and you want to help something that um, is really near and dear to all of our hearts, 
please reach out to us. Um, everything is going to be below this podcast in the bio, plus below it in the YouTube video. So you'll have all the links to find it there. Um, but this is something that's super important to us. So, um, we would love to see you at that gala as well. All of us will be there on the fourth, all dressed up to the nines, all together. Um, so if oh, you <laughs> are you coming, Chelsea, or no? Oh yeah, I'll probably come. Just gotta figure out the details. <laughs> Fit it in your schedule. <laughs> Fair. But yeah, all of it will be in the in the bio below, um, and we would appreciate it. Um, and if you end up coming to the gala, we'll see you there. You can come hang out with us in person and have a good time celebrating the life of someone that uh, changed our lives. So, well, guys, we got through Absolutely. it. We have been uh, avoiding this podcast for a minute, and we got through it. So thanks for listening. If you are listening still to us trudge through this super emotional period of our lives we appreciate it and we will catch you next time bye, bye.